Hello and welcome to The Ready Room, the Trex and Sci-Fi Microcast. I'm Jen, I play Commander Savril and Dr. Ryla Dredd. And I'm Rick, I play Counselor Margon the Blue Bolian and Jadan Marley, the Bajoran Bartender. Welcome to The Ready Room. As you probably noticed, we are down a man. Our captain yeah. is missing. Captain Quinn, I mean, Kenny is gone. That's right. He, he's actually involved in a lot of projects and we're very proud of him because he's doing such a great job with the guild web series he's doing the behind the scenes dvd project for their their dvd release and so he has got a deadline that he needs to meet so he's been doing a lot of video work on his computer and of course he's got a lot of time into that plus he works you know more than a full-time job plus he's involved in the i think the legend of neil and he's just a very busy guy and so we volunteered to help him out while he was working on his project to make sure the ready room kept going, even though we miss him. Uh, hopefully, he's left it in capable hands and we can do him proud. Yes. Well, we're going to try our best. That's right. We are. It may take us several times to get it right, but... <laughs> we can do it. We can do yes. it. In fact, this is the second time we've done this introduction. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, the first one fell flat on its face, but that's okay. That's the that's the wonders and the uh, the beautiful thing of editing. What did you think, Jen? Of the did you get a chance to listen to the entire edited, put together fiftieth fiftieth an- uh, anniversary? That would I, I should have been going. What did you think, Jen? Of the fiftieth anniversary of the Ready Room podcast? Anyway, no, I mean the fiftieth po- or the fiftieth episode anniversary it was awesome was that fun yeah it was i love the fact that um we got so many posts read it was like a huge epic story being told it really was was. i really like the fact that we have so much participation so many different voices and yet at the same time the the whole thing is like put together and it, it just it just it sounds great, and I look forward to listening to it. I, I'll, whatever I'm doing, whether I'm walking or driving or washing dishes or whatever, I put it on, and I just like the story because it just goes. Very cool. Yes. Speaking of having the story go, should we start? Sure. Let's do it. We look for things to make us go. <laughs> <laughs> the following post was written by Moyer777 and read by Moyer777. Margon was in a tight spot. 
He knew that there were a couple of ways to handle his situation, but couldn't decide which officer to contact. Either the chief of security or the captain would be able to help. But he had to do this in secret. Both had been very busy, and he sensed uneasiness from Captain Quinn. He had no idea if his communications had been compromised. The unknown Orion was outside of his quarters working on the panel next to it, so anything was possible. How could he think that Brex was alive? Counselor Mar Margon did have one more option. Jadan Marley could probably help him. Margon patted Mr. Mouse on the head and sighed. <sighs> he would have to go to the afterburner to find Jadan. Perhaps they could find somewhere private to talk. In the meantime, he had to act like nothing was wrong. His father and family were at risk for something he had no answers for. What was this list? The next post was written by Star Trek Fanatic 5 and read by Star Trek Fanatic 5. Took crawled through Jeffrey's Tube 56, heading to Junction T1R85. There was a faulty relay station that needed repair. This was his last duty shift for the week. His shore leave would begin as soon as this relay was fixed. It was 0900 and he expected to be done by lunchtime as he had plans to meet up with Nathan. It was boring work, but several hours later, the relay was humming and working properly. He made his way back to engineering. Since the ship was in dry dock undergoing major repairs, engineering was packed. He found Lieutenant Plummer, who was overseeing repairs and reported in. Nick handed her the pad. Sir, I have completed my duties and I wish to begin my shore leave. Elizabeth took the pad and gave him a smile, which exposed her sharp pointed teeth. Get out of here. Took nodded, turned and headed to the door. And you better enjoy your shore leave, she yelled over the noise. Nick gave her a thumbs up as he exited engineering. Moments later, he entered Quinn's quarters to find a checkerboard blanket sitting in the middle of the living quarters. Nathan was setting down a picnic basket and looked up with a smile. Oh, you're early. I wanted to have a picnic lunch, but the hollow decks are down, so I figured, why not have it in my quarters? Nick laughed, walked over to Quinn, and gave him a hug. It's perfect, he said, as he sat down next to the basket. Nathan joined him and began pulling containers out. Nick rubbed his hands together with delight. What are we having? The next post was written by KC and read by KC. Sarah sat on her bed with her legs crossed and her eyes closed. Although she usually meditated on the floor in a serene setting in the holodeck, she couldn't bear to leave her quarters after her long and dreamless sleep, especially after spending the majority of her time chatting, drinking, and singing at the promotion ceremony the night before. I can't concentrate anyway, so there's no point of doing this next to a holographic waterfall, she thought. No, she wasn't supposed to think about anything right now. The point of meditating was to let all of her frustrating thoughts go. She inhaled deeply and tried to go through her exercises again. Inhale. Exhale. Mentally watch your body breathing in and out, Sierra said aloud. She pressed her palms together and brought her hands to her chest. She focused her energy on her center, the core of her being. She continued to breathe in and out. But relaxation and peace of mind were taking a holiday, and Sierra could only think about her conversation with Ryla and Mackie, particularly Mackie's questions about her Orion pheromones. She had a great time with the two women, but she couldn't help but think on her feelings of uneasiness and relief when the subject had come up. The uneasiness came when the question itself was asked. 
She had no idea if she had the powerful pheromones that most Orion women had, and she never bothered to ask or find out. Yet the relief that followed when Mackie mentioned that she might not have those pheromones was the best news that she had heard in a long while. She had remained as calm as she could for the remainder of the night, but she couldn't help but imagine fireworks and cheering, hanging banners high on the walls of her mind that read, Congratulations! You're only Orion in appearance! And then for a brief moment, the memory of the green-skinned woman who had the nerve to call herself Sierra's true mother slipped in. Her name was Molly, and she was nothing and everything to Sierra all at once. If it hadn't been for the fact that Sierra was pleased with her thoughts about her lack of Orion characteristics, the very thought of Molly would have left Sierra sick to her stomach. Sierra smiled in spite of herself. I may be green. But every day and every way, I'm proving myself to be Daddy's little girl. And with that, Sierra stood up and prepared for her shift in the afterburner. The next post was written by Just X and read by Meds. Computer, lights, Eric said upon entering his new office with a pad in one hand and a mug of water in the other. The soft white glow lit the large but spartan office of the acting XO. In the time that he had been in the position, he had not seen fit to go overboard in the decorations. In one corner of the office, he had placed a flowering Vulcan Casa Cactus that produced a sweet and edible fruit. On the shelves of his bookcase rested various books of fiction and fact from numerous Federation worlds. Also on that bookshelf, he had placed several hollow photos of his girls. The most recent of his attempts at photography sat on the corner of his desk. It was an image of Elizabeth, Rory and Marin at the picnic that he had taken them on. Smiles danced on their faces in the hollow the after-effect of a game of tag between them. Taking a sip of his water, Eric placed it on his desk and mentally prepared his day. It would be filled with interviews and reports, but he was prepared. He had gone over the records and actions of all department heads and their assistants. He had calculated and recalculated the needs of the crew and the ship. He also had a wife that was waiting on him. It was going to be quite a busy day. The following post was written by Just X and read by Meds. Eric sat at his new desk and quietly reviewed the crew placements of the Arabella. He only briefly held the position but was quickly becoming adept at the nuances of it. With repairs going on, it would be some time before they could get back to the stars and he wanted to have full understanding of his duties before that. In his mind, being the first officer wasn't much different from the duties that he had held at the Vulcan shipyards. There were far less paperwork, but there was no shortage of tasks to accomplish. It was the story of his life. No matter the advances or goals that were achieved, there was always something new to push him in direction that he had not considered taking. Part of his duties included meeting with the various department heads, and also with the general crew. To understand the needs of the ship, a competent XO also needed to understand the needs of the crew. When he was the CIG of the Tiberius, he had almost as many people under his command as he did in his new role. Now, he just needed to find a way to motivate the crew of the Alabella to the constant excellence of the Tiberius. It was a role that Seville had performed well, and he knew that he could never truly replace her. He could only attempt to look after the position until she returned. For him to do his best in the position, he needed to, at least for the moment, make the position his own. The first step was to see what his crew needed to be the best at their positions. His first review would be with Dr. Peterson, and Eric was more than ready to see what the good, the ideas the good doctor could bring to the table. Enter, Eric said when the door chimed. Dr. Peterson entered the XO's office with a pad in his hand. 
He had several things he wished to discuss with Eric. He nodded to the commander and took a seat in a chair across from him. Good afternoon, commander. Good afternoon, doctor, Eric replied, and with the formalities out of the way, he started the meeting. How are things going in medical these days? I am trying to see how we can better this ship and shine as a crew. Things are slowly getting back to normal. The staff all did an exemplary job during and after the Borg crisis. I will start rotating staff out for shore leave, with your permission, of course. While we're here, uh, with your permission, I would like to take the opportunity to upgrade some of sickbay's diagnostic equipment, including the biobeds and the EMH software. These minor retrofits should improve the efficiency of sickbay greatly. Eric nodded slowly. That's fine, Doctor. I'll add that to the list I'm presenting to the Captain at the conclusion of my meetings. Glancing to his pad, Eric continued, How's your crew holding up after the Borg attack? And how is Dr. Jett doing these days? Casey paused to reflect for a moment. As you might well assume, the last mission was very taxing on my staff. Other than some post-traumatic stress issues which Councillor Margon is dealing with, they seem to be holding up well. I think that surely will go a long way on helping improve their mood. And as for Ayla, I hesitate to put her back on active duty yet. We do not know at this time what effect not having a symbiont will have on her. She is seeing Councillor Margan, but I expect an update from him soon. I think at the moment it would be prudent to give her some time to adjust to her new situation, before we burden her with sickbay duty. We would not want to give her more than she can handle, given the experience that she has just come through, Peterson concluded. Eric slowly ran a hand through his hair before speaking. I understand where you are coming from, Doctor, but Ryla isn't dead. I appreciate the delicacy that people are using regarding Ryla, but I don't agree with it. If I had just come back from the dead, I wouldn't want the behaviour of those around me to constantly remind me of the fact. I'll schedule a meeting with her and make my own observations and recommendations to the captain. Is there anything that you need for your crew or department that will get it functioning as the ideal medical department? My goal is to make this ship the envy of the fleet. Well, as a matter of fact, there is. I find it near impossible to delegate difficult issues to those below me, especially serious cases. Partly because I usually have more experience, but also because I'm something of a perfectionist. Unfortunately, this behaviour does not necessarily help those working in medical, Casey stated. I also have come to realise that, if I ever want my own command one day, I must develop these skills. I was hoping that you might have some suggestions for me. My wife has informed me that I come across her at times as being arrogant, and that is not the image I wish to portray as the head of a medical on this ship. If I can deal with these shortcomings, I know that I can be a much more efficient and better officer. Do you think that your department is getting overworked with the current level of direct care that the crew needs? asked Eric. I expect that everything will work itself out with the staff taking their shore leave. Besides, things have begun starting to settle down. I know that part of this situation has more to do with my past. I've had dealings with the Borg before. They they were responsible for the death of my entire family, and since then I, I have found it difficult to rely on anyone other than myself. And this last mission has brought up some very unpleasant memories. This may be responsible for me always taking on more than I can handle and, well, failing to trust in my own staff's ability. Since then I've... I've been feeling far more stressed and agitated. Last night I... I finally realised that I can't do it all. I... I need to trust my staff. 
Peterson slowly lowered his head and stared at the pad in his hands. His hands slightly trembled as he waited in silence for Eric to respond. He truly looked like a man who was defeated. Eric allowed concern to show on his face. I see. I believe that I can help with that. It's obvious that you are overworking yourself and that needs to stop. I'm going to recommend that you see Councillor Margan to set up a few counselling sessions for you. I'm also going to pull you back from the edge of delegating some of the duties in medical. I want you to assemble a small team that will deal specifically with general practice issues and rehabilitation of the injured crew. I'll speak with the captain about creating a wellness centre aboard the Arabella. Sigbay will still handle critical care, but the general day-to-day health of the crew will be handled by the wellness centre. You can assign the shifts, but you will not have any direct control over the wellness centre beyond managing the personnel. This should give you more time administrating medical and less time attempting to do it all the work yourself. Eric's fingers danced over his pad as he refined the request. You will also allocate more duties to your assistant and take time to recover, Doctor. Are there any other concerns that you have? Uh, yes, with your permission, I would like to take some shore leave with my wife. It should help alleviate some of the stress that I've been under. Would it be alright if I set up the staff of the Wellness Centre after some shore leave? Consider the shore leave both mandatory and granted, Eric said and rose to shake the man's hand. Have a good vacation, Casey. As for the Wellness Centre, well, after I clear it with the captain, I'll assemble the team to run it. It's time to get things delegated in sick bay, and that shouldn't impede on the rest of that you need. Dr. Peterson took Eric's hand and returned a strong handshake. He felt as if a big weight had been lifted off him and looked forward to his vacation and his counselling sessions with his friend Marga. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your help in this matter, Casey said as he walked out of Eric's office. Eric returned to his seat and noted his observations. The meeting did not go exactly as he calculated, but progress had occurred. Of course, he had many more meetings to conduct, but this was a good start. The following post was written by Feathers and read by Meds. Computer, initiate program Goldar 12A, the Ferengi commanded as he stood at the entrance to Holodeck 2 on Starbase 416. Still wearing his duty uniform, Goldar looked slightly out of place for a leisure period, but for what he had planned, he figured he may as well wear his own uniform, rather than have the computer simulate a temporary one for him. It hadn't taken him too long to find what he was looking for once he'd got back to his quarters. Some of the records he'd accessed in the process should not, perhaps, have been available to an ensign, but in the long run, no harm would be done. It had taken a little longer to fabricate the simulation he was now initiating, but the experience should be worth it on two fronts. Firstly, he'd get some information to feed into the idea that had begun to form in his head, and secondly... Secondly he should get some interesting flying. Actually, he admitted, the simulation hadn't really been that much work. Most of it was made up of standard fleet training components, with the characters nothing more than officer simulations adjusted to fit Starfleet personal records and the dialogue held in logs. That gave him a fair amount of freedom of action within the simulation and, most importantly, allowed him to try it out today. He grinned. Rule of Acquisition 62 came to mind, but he doubted it had ever been applied in quite this way. There was a definite risk in what he had done, unauthorised access to command reports and sensor logs, but the potential profit for his career seemed to outweigh the possible price. It was that selfish streak again, he admitted, frowning now. He'd wanted to try this so much when he read about it 
so now he was going to. Program ready, the flat female voice of the computer announced as the door slid apart before him with their customary deep whine. Geldar rubbed his hands together in suppressed glee, almost tripping in his eagerness to get inside. And now a post written by Shepard and read by Moyer777. A ringing came from the door. Reese opened his eyes. He looked around the room for official. He wasn't there. Reese could hear his deep wailing in the bathroom. <laughs> and he calls that singing, Reese thought. He dropped his head down on his pillow. The ringing continued. He hoped he'd at least be able to sleep in today. It was supposed to be shore leave, he thought. David rose from his bed and made his way to the door. Pressing the controls, it opened. Reese didn't much like the voice command. It didn't seem right somehow. He grew up in a society where Federation technology wasn't as standard and voice capabilities were much fewer. Federation personnel were somewhat often ridiculed by the locals for their insistent chit-chatting with machines. David tended to settle for pressing the buttons, even though there was no one here who ridiculed him for machine talk. Though he wasn't much for words, in the morning hours anyway. Reese! Michael Delaney yelled as he opened or the door slid open. Get your clothes on! We're going! What? Going? Reese muttered. Going where? Down to the planet! We're going to shoot each other up, but not really. Arcade style. Arcades? Yeah, you, me, visual, possibly others, but not of our group. What about Lorna and Rose? You know Lorna would love that sort of thing. It's a guy's day, Reese. Guy's day? Yeah, just us uh, guys. No girls to nag or annoy. <sighs> Wait, no, I, I get it. You don't want to get beat by Lorna again. No, guy's day. What part of guy's day principle aren't you getting? Sounds like fun. <laughs> Just why do we plan these things so late? Late? We've been talking about this since we arrived. Me, Fis... Michael stopped to think. We told you, didn't we? You know, for two guys who love to hear yourselves speak, you don't really get the important information out. Oh, so we didn't. Well, you got a half hour, then we leave. It's not really fun playing shoot 'em up uh, with just two people. Reese was eager to have a little fun. Seemed like the last few weeks had been spent caring and aiding for others in need. He felt a little guilty at times. Everyone else seemed to be hurting, and he was just beginning his life without demons to hold him back. Time to let loose a little, Reese thought, as he prepared himself to leave. The next post was written by Dinghead and read by Meds. The Carlin and Ensign Barrows walked along the corridor of the Arabella and stopped outside the Ensign's quarters. In you go, Ensign. I'm confining you to your quarters. I'll speak to you later after I've finished debriefing the captain. Barrow said nothing as he stepped in, and the door switched shut. Joseph sighed, then lifted his backpack and flung it over his shoulder. He was just about to head to the ready room when Ensign Baker chirped in over his combat. Lieutenant commanded the Carlin in ducking bay six, please. Squeezing his eyes closed, the Carlin shook his head and tapped his badge in response. On my way, Ensign. Joseph was beginning to become impatient. It had been a long day, and he still had to deliver his report to the captain. His shore leave was steadily decreasing, and he had an insatiable desire to sit in the afterburner and enjoy one of his own supplies of beer. Entering into the docking bay, he looked round for Baker and found him standing with another Ensign. A new face. Ensign Baker, you interrupted my visit to the captain. 
Biker spun round and stood to attention. Sir, new arrival reporting in. Very good biker on your way. The Callan took the pad from Baker and turned to the new arrival. Looking up at the six foot three man, the Callan smiled. Well, big fella, ain't ya? So, uh, Inson Shane. Davia Shane. The Callan continued scanning the pad. Add a soon on the end of that and we'll get on just fine, Ensign. Joseph flicked him an eye. Sir. Well, welcome aboard. Can be me and I'll show you to your quarters. The two men strode down the corridor as DeCallan continued to read the new ensign's personal file. Your report makes for an interesting read. Elegant. Sarcastic. Combative. DeCallan turned to look him in the eye. Good qualities for working alongside me, they are not ensign. I may be in charge here, but we all look out for each other aboard Arabella. I see things in this report which I will call you out on, and I am deadly serious about this. Ensign Shane looked at the Callum with a slight frown. The Callum glanced back at the pad. For your interest, you've included the subject of beer. I have a personal supply, my own stock, authentic ale, weather oak in fact, not any of that synthahol rubbish. 4.5% made from the finest hops. I've had a long day, Ensign, and I make it a point to unwind in the afterburner. As they reached Shane's new quarters, the Chief of Security keyed a sequence into the door panel and it swished open. I'll be in the bar in about an hour. I expect to see you there. We can go through your duties then. The Cullen gave him a curt nod and headed towards the turbo lift. Davius nodded to the commander's back. Yes, he paused just long enough for the right amount of irony. Sir. Entering his quarters, he eyed the space warily. Starships weren't new to him, of course. He'd been in Starfleet for almost 20 years, regardless of what the single colour pip said. Ah, the joys of being in an outfit that didn't use a lot of rank. Dropping his duffel beside the bed, Darius crossed to the small replicator panel and requested water, the only thing he'd ever willingly ask from it. A bed, a replicator, several square feet of open floor space, and lo and behold, a viewport. Quite a step up from a shelf with a room below for the bag he carted his life around in. Welcome to the Ritz, Mr Shane. Enjoy your stay. For only the umpteen thousandth time that day, Darius wondered just what the heck he was doing playing security officer on the Arabella. <laughs> Arabella. Now there's an M-class chunk of irony. We're worried about your performance, Evales, the officious knit of a personal officer had said. Ever since the incident, you've been distracted, getting slower, more sloppy. Darius could hear the improvised grenade bouncing along the cargo bay floor, the people screaming and then the whole gust of wind. Nothing is so terrifying in space as a sudden gust of wind. What you need, the paper pusher had concluded, is a break. Not more training, but not a vacation either. And so, here he was. Reaching out to the viewport, he found a control that turned its interior surface opaque. It was supposed to be used to block out bright exterior light, the blackness of space, and Darius Shane's muted reflection was replaced by dull matte grey. Fine with him, he'd had enough of reflection. With a small snarl, he turned on his heel, slammed the water glass back into the replicator and strode back out. He'd had the lion's share of that hour before his meeting, but he would need that time to find out all the unofficial things about security on his new posting, where people went, where they didn't, and all the little nooks and crannies in between.
Our next post was written by Jen and read by Jen. She watched as the woman and two children stepped out of the holodeck. Both girls were Vulcanoid. She wondered if one was Marin. The infants she carried in her womb moved at the sound of their melodious laughter. Savril placed a hand on her abdomen and smiled as the holodeck doors closed behind them. She liked this place, and so did the twins she carried. It was warmer than the Tiberius, and no one had tried to kill them. However, as pleasant as the Arabella was, she knew they didn't belong among these people. In the weeks that she had been aboard, Savril split most of her time between sickbay and the holodeck. Due to the effects of the fissure, the children were developing faster than ordinary, and so the physicians had deemed it necessary to monitor her pregnancy closely. Other than the medical staff and Captain Quinn, she rarely spoke to any of the people aboard Arabella, though a number had mistakenly addressed her as commander. Nathaniel checked on her often during the first week aboard his ship. He was attempting to find a place for her to settle, someplace she could blend in. Vulcan was apparently out of the question, for her double had fled her homeworld due to political crisis. She would find no solace there, yet there was another option that held promise. Mantaka III was home to the Mantakan people, a Vulcan-like race near the Bronze Age of evolution. Savril did not wish to leave the comforts of her new home, but she knew the time would come when she would wear out her welcome. The next post was written by Feathers and read by Meds. Guldar stepped onto a simulation of the bridge of the USS Arabella, retrieving a phaser from a crewman as he passed. Almost unnoticed, a holographic black pip materialised on his collar, next to the gold one he already wore. He descended to the command level and tapped the officer manning the helm on the shoulder, taking his seat as soon as it was vacated. A shudder shut the bridge as he sat, throwing his predecessor to the deck as he moved to man an auxiliary station behind the bridge railing. Mr. Golder, take us clear of the planet at maximum warp. Without primary weaponry, our options against the Borg are limited. A calm Vulcan voice commanded. Gordar's fingers jumped to the controls in front of him and power surged through the impulse engines in response. As the bow of the Arabella lifted clear of its orbital trajectory and it began to pick up speed, Gordar jumped it to full impulse, the quicker to get clear of the planetary gravity well. The ship was large but responsive. Moving quickly away from the planet under the ensign's control, Gordar threw in a quick half-roll to starboard as he detected an energy beam slicing beneath the secondary hull. Whoever's on tactical has a good sensor set up, he thought. Captain, we are having trouble generating a stable warp field due to the interference from the subspace disturbances, he called after another minute. That much of the official bridge record Guldar could remember. Take us away from the anomalies of full impulse and tell engineering that we need those weapons, the Vulcan commander said as she turned to face a tactical station over her right shoulder. Tactical, keep a close eye on the shield. While they were designed with the Borg in mind, this will be the first true test. We can't afford to let them fail. Guldar's attention returned to the station as he danced the ship through the incoming fire from the sphere. The bridge crew were quiet and focused through it all, throwing themselves into their tasks. Almost in response, Guldar redoubled his efforts, flinging the ship around to avoid as much of the incoming fire as possible and forgetting, for the moment, the simulated nature of the engagement. The Vulcan commander turned to the Andorian at the science station, an asteroid belt is located here. The ions, stony ions, and chordates that make up the rubble are magnetised. How long would the sphere's sensors be affected by the magnetic field before they're able to compensate for disruption? An approximation will suffice then. 
In reality, many of the crew had been in some form of disguise at this point in time, but Gulda hadn't bothered to make the simulation that accurate, using standard species stereotypes to fill the simulated roles. 50 minutes at most, Zren replied as another barrage took the ship and an unnamed console blew out of the port forward auxiliary station belching smoke and flame. Helm, set course for the asteroid belt, take us in carefully. We cannot afford to lose any more shielding, the Vulcan called to him. I Commander, he called in response, finally remembering her name. Listening to the clipped conversations around him, all accurately logged and repeated from bridge recordings, he was learning a lot about the bridge crew of this ship and the command structure and style used to run her. He was getting the information he was after, but he was also enjoying this immensely. He'd had very few opportunities to fly a starship, real or simulated. His hands danced over the curved panel before him, and the simulation of the Arabella lurched suddenly, dropping 500 metres down the Z-axis. With a snap, he pivoted towards the closest part of the asteroid belt, before accelerating to what his academy pilot instructor would probably have called an unsafe velocity. Steady, Lieutenant, Seville called calmly, her focus split between the asteroids in front, the ball behind, and the status of her ship trapped between the two. We need those shields intact. Aye, Gildar grunted, bearing his teeth in concentration as the ship under his control barreled into the asteroid field. The next post was written by JustX and myself, Moyer777, and read by myself. Margon made his way to the afterburner. He ran into one of the waiters in the corridor. Have you seen Jadan this morning? he inquired. He's around here somewhere, said the polite young man. Let me check. Craig to Jadan, what's up, boss? There was no answer. I'll let him know you're looking for him, counselor. Thanks, said Margon, and his own badge chirped. Commander James to Counselor Margon. Yes, Commander, Margon replied. I have a cancellation of my schedule and was wondering if you had a few minutes. Certainly, I'm on my way. Margon thanked Craig and excused himself. As he made his way to Eric's office, he tried to calm his nerves. He tried not to be paranoid and not to look around every corner for someone to attack him. He needed to resolve this, but how? He made his way to the Commander's office, was invited in, and sat down. Eric smiled to himself at the progress of his meetings. He was getting a great insight into the crew with the one-on-one time, and it was something that would better serve the ship in the long run. He smiled across his desk at the seated Margon. Thank you for coming in on such a short notice, Eric said. How are you holding up after all this has happened? Margon paused for a moment. Should he tell Eric about what was really going on? He thought better of it, and he tried to think past his current dilemma. I'm all right, but still a little frazzled to tell you the truth. It's at times like this when I draw on a lot of the training I got from Starfleet. That and the years of wisdom that come along with life. (laughs) Is there any chance that Starfleet is going to send me some help? Eric smiled. If that's what you need, it's what you'll have. I know how stressful things have been for the crew as of late, and I don't wish to see you overloaded. Eric entered a few commands onto his pad before continuing. Help is on the way. On a personal note, what's your opinion of Dr. Dret? She's been through a lot, Commander, but I'm confident that she'll be okay. I think the only thing we need to be concerned about is her confidence. Losing your symbiote hasn't been a normal thing in the Trill culture. This is unexplored territory. She seems to be adjusting. I, I think the more interaction she has with her friends on the crew during her off hours, the better she'll adjust. 
Just, she just needs to know that we believe in her and her abilities. I did notice her fondness for Catan, the counselor smiled. Eric chuckled. That's good to hear. Do you believe she's ready for more responsibilities? We have so many people dealing with the aftermath of assimilation that we're going to need to dedicate some resources into the treatment and recovery. I agree, the counselor reached up and rubbed his new eye. Everyone is having to adjust right now. I think it's a great idea to get folks help they need. In the case of Dr. Drett, I would find something she specializes in and challenge her to step it up. It'll give her get her mind off of what has happened and help her focus on her future. She's a bright lady, even without her symbiont. The counselor's communication badge chirped. Counselor, said the familiar voice, were you looking for me? Excuse me, Eric, Margon tapped his badge. Yes, Judan, I needed to go over your entertainment schedule for the next week. The counselor felt bad that he had to lie, but he didn't know if his communications were being monitored. Ah, uh, sure thing, Judan said cautiously. What in the world did Margon want to know the entertainment schedule? He thought to himself. Um, I'll be over in a half hour, so Margon out. He smiled faintly and looked back at Eric. So where were we? Well, I've just requested that we pick up two new assistant counselors, Eric started. The captain will need to sign off on the request, but I don't believe it to be an issue. I'd also like it if we could, for the time being, refocus your practice. How would you feel about running a trauma management group while your assistants deal with the normal caseload? I know that you've been through a lot, and I, I don't want you pushing yourself to a breaking point. We need you now more than ever. The counselor sighed. <sighs> that would be a welcome relief. Thank you for your concern. Speaking of the captain, have you noticed the tension with him? He hasn't come to see me, even though I've invited him on several occasions. It isn't like Nathan to be so standoffish. You're working closely with him. Is there anything I need to be aware of? Margon looked at Eric with admiration. He felt good about the first officer and the job he was doing. The meeting was really boosting Margon's respect level for Eric. Eric shook his head slightly. I know he's been through a great deal of trauma while in the other universe, but I haven't directly spoken to him on it. Quinn's a good man that uh, knows his limitations, and given time, I believe that he might share what happened. After I complete my reports, I'm going to present the findings to him and see if I can find out what happened. Once I do, we'll see what we can do to make things better. Eric smiled at the counselor. While this was only one of the many meetings that he needed to have with the senior staff, he enjoyed the honest conversation that Margon offered. This was a man that had earned his respect by putting the needs of the crew before his own. In some ways, the counselor reminded him of himself. Both had lost so much in their lives, and both had been pushed on, or had pushed on despite the pain. Margon, if you need anything or anyone to talk to, please remember I'm here. I might not be a qualified counselor, but listening is something that I've inherited from my mother, and sometimes we all need someone just to listen. Very much appreciated, Commander. Thank you. Margon wanted to ask for his help with the Orion worker, but held his tongue. I can certainly use someone to talk to. Maybe we could do dinner sometime. I'm grateful for your friendship. I would like that, Margon. The next post was written by Brian C.D. and Jen, and read by Jen. With their hollow adventure complete, Rory James ushered the girls into the turbo lift to take them home for their daily nap. Marin and Elizabeth were singing when the doors opened to reveal Lieutenant Commander Carith. Rory smiled and motioned for the girls to follow her in. Elizabeth preferred to skip into the lift, but Marin was less eager to join her friends. To Savril's four-year-old daughter, Carith looked angry. 
Rory apologized to the commander, then stepped into the corridor to take the girl's hand and encourage her in. Marin remained frozen in place, staring with wide, dark brown eyes up at the chief engineer. She had seen him several times before, but after all that had happened with the Borg, she just didn't trust people who looked cross. Rather than pick her up, Rory promised the girl a large ball of chocolate pudding and her choice of bedtime stories if she cooperated. The word chocolate seemed to do the trick, and the little girl slowly entered with the holographic woman. Rory apologized again for delaying Karath, as Marin continued to stare up at him from behind the woman's leg. Karath did his best to hide his discomfort as he stared at the wall of the lift. He realized just then that this was the first time he'd seen Savril's daughter since he'd stopped by her home on Vulcan after one of the early missions on the Tiberius. In their own home, the children had been mischievous and playful, although he had not interacted with them. He just didn't know what to do with the child. But since the encounter with the Borg, he knew their lives had dramatically changed. Marin's mother and brother were still in the alternate universe, and despite the kindness of the acting XO and his family, she was alone. He allowed his eyes to drift down towards hers as she continued to try to hide. He wanted to just say something, anything, but the door opened on his deck before he could complete the thought. He nodded curtly to Rory and strode off the lift. The next post was written by Just X and Brian CD and read by Billy Bob. Time seemed to progress faster in recent days as Eric worked hard to serve as the acting XO. Meetings with the senior staff had become far more commonplace than with his previous posting as the chief of operations. Given what he knew about his next appointment, Eric eagerly anticipated the arrival of the Arabella's chief engineer. Eric rose from his desk with a pad in hand as the chime to his office sounded. While the device was not necessary with his connection to the ship, it served well in displaying things to those that did not have his psychic abilities. Enter. Karath strode into the office and regarded the Alorian officer with a warm smile. It had been some time since he and the commander had time to just talk. He distinctly recalled his initial arrival on the Tiberius in his unique runabout and being impressed by the man's command of technical knowledge. The last time they had the opportunity to work together was during the construction of the Arabella. Chief Engineer reporting as ordered, sir, he said. Thank you for coming, Eric said, and motioned to the chair across from his desk as he returned to his. Please have a seat. I'm hoping this won't keep you from your engines long, but I'd like to get your take on the ship and what we need to do to make her the best in the fleet. She fared well against the Borg, but I think we are both aware that she has the potential to do much better. Karath sat back in his chair and exhaled a long breath. Sir, we have two problems which we need to address. First, the ship's biogel systems have been cleansed of the nanoprobes the Borg used to assimilate the ship thanks to Starfleet Medical Research. Their technological hardware adaptations are proving much more time-consuming to remove as we need to do that manually. I believe your zero-point system connected to the warp core gave them a bit of a surprise, and I'm sure they missed greatly the opportunity to assimilate it," he said with a slight grin, which quickly faded. The second issue is one of personnel. We lost a number of crew. He hesitated as his voice caught, and Eric saw, for the first time, a Klingon attempt to compose himself. Of my staff, and have brought in a few officers to replay, to serve in their absence. I have had an opportunity to meet with Ensign Maddock, and have only briefly reviewed Ensign Garrus. I will make a point of meeting with him and reporting back to you. Eric nodded slowly. I have Garrus on my list to meet as well. We can compare notes on him later. 
After a slight pause, Eric continued. Being a Klingon, I assume that you subscribe to the belief of an honorable death. There have been many honorable deaths on this ship. I would like to see us move to a position where honor can be gained in other non-fatal ways. Each loss is a setback we can do without. I know you run a very tight department, Karth, but what can we do to make it better? Karth let out a long breath while he considered the Exo's question. To have honor in one's work, a warrior needs to honor themselves first. For Klingons, that sense of self, as well as a sense of self-sacrifice, is developed through a series of physical trials of strength and perseverance. Perhaps it's time for my new crew to learn something about themselves, so that they better serve the crew which will depend upon them. The holodeck could provide a proper template and... motivation, he said with a slight smile. Eric chuckled. The thing that I have might have something to help with that. It will be completely voluntary, of course, so as not to interrupt the leave that the captain's granted. Eric tapped a few commands on his pad and slid it across to the chief engineer. It will be a contest that will test the mental and physical character of the participants. It will consist of five-person teams with a requirement that each team is a blending of all departments. One person from engineering, one from command, one from medical. I'm sure you get the point. From there, the contestants will design and build a five-man shuttle pod to operate on specific energy and fuel reserves. Then, each pod will be raised to the planet. The contestants need to make landfall in a specific area and go on to other obstacles. A team swim, a climb, it's still in the works. But it's going to be tough. Hopefully a few days in length and limited rations. All those things that we learned in the Academy will be brought back to the surface and people will get a chance to bond. I know it's not a department-specific team building, but what do you think? Karat's smile broadened, and he felt a newfound sense of respect for the somewhat mysterious XO. It will be... glorious. Eric smiled and rose. Thank you for your time, Chief. The next post was a joint post written by Just X and Hawkeye Meds and read by Meds. Joseph knocked his backpack so it felt comfortable on his back. He tapped his comm badge. Computer, is uh, Captain Quinn available? The computer chirped back immediately. Captain Quinn is not available at this time. Joseph smiled and thought to himself, I don't blame him. I bet his joint is surely even tasting something nice. Turning back, he decided to head to the afterburner and enjoy a nice cold beer. It had been a long and eventful day, and a nice drop of oil would end his day nicely. That is, of course as long as no one else wanted him. Next on Eric's list of meetings was Lieutenant Commander de Callan. James de Callan, Eric said after tapping his badge. De Callan here. If you aren't too busy, could you report to my office to discuss a few things? On the way, sir, de Callan had. The fact that it had only taken ten minutes for his chime to ring made Eric smile. Come. The door slid open and de Callan walked in. The man looked tired. It was beginning to be a trend of his department heads. You've been up all night? The Callan smiled and gestured to the chair, and Eric nodded, and the Callan took the seat. Unfortunately, I've had the Bowers investigation to deal with, and we've just had a new crewman who's come aboard who looks a bit of a handful. I'd love to say that I've been busy practicing my bowling technique. Somewhere along the line, I've got a game of cricket to play, and I have a suspicion that Lieutenant Commander Catan has been putting in some batting overtime. Eric leaned forward. Batting? Bowling? You seem to be quite interested in this cricket game. De Carlin laughed and then looked at his exo. So it's in my blood. As you know, I come from Australia and it's a kind of an important game for us Aussies. First reference of the game came in around 1300 in England, and us Australians ended up battling against the Poms for the Ashes. De Carlin suddenly stopped as he noticed Eric had almost glazed over. I'm sorry sir, I, I get a bit carried away. 
I'd find Lieutenant Commander. I, I think having hobbies is a good way to strengthen one's character. It's also good to see you recovering from the recent stresses this crew has had to face. We need to find a better way to address some of the problems that this ship routinely faces. Eric lifted the pad from his desk and briefly reviewed the contents. Since we are considering a move for Catan, we might be expecting a little more from you, Joseph. I want this ship to be the envy of the fleet. I want dozens of transfer requests to join our crew to be on my desk each morning. I want us to be the model that all the other Federation crews attempt to emulate. To do that, we need the best, and I think that Captain Quinn got the best when he assembled this crew. Now, what do you have in the works, Joseph? Uh, what ideas do you have, and what do you need to accomplish them? Joseph sat forward and remembered back to a conversation aboard the station. Sir, I tend to have a knack at judging people very well. I met a young officer aboard the station. He was a Ferengi, named Goldar. He uh, seemed an enthusiastic young officer, maybe a little bit brash. But he made it clear that he fancied himself as a bit of a pilot. I have not made any official move regarding a recommendation, but as you mentioned transfers, I thought I'd bring it to your attention. Eric swept his fingers over his pad. Ah, consider it noted. Joseph continued. It came to my attention during our recent issues that I need to boost morale in my own section. The incident with Ensign Bowers has obviously not gone unnoticed, so I would like to have some team-building time, but not in a militaristic kind of way. I have some ideas regarding tactical, but I need to have a chat with Lieutenant Otak. I liked his idea of the Mako Assault Armour Mark I. It's in his early stages, but I'd like to see it go through. Eric smiled. Excellent ideas, Joseph. This isn't the first time that I've heard mention of the resurrection of the Makos. I have an idea that might work for not only to foster team building, but to test some of the concepts behind a retooled Mako for the Federation in our age. This also isn't the first time today that the department head has mentioned team building exercises. Have you ever heard of a earth sport called bobsledding? Or a decathlon? Looking up in the air, Joseph smiled. A decathlon? The old games, eh? Oh, I've seen them in the archives, hard stuff but fun. Well, I do suggest putting a handicap on Catan if he takes part in the shot, but... Being raised a Klingon doesn't give a human Klingon strength, Eric laughed and turned his pad to face the color. Actually, I am thinking something a little more intense. A, uh, a ship-wild contest. Volunteers only. The only condition is that each team is comprised of exactly five members. One person from command, medical, tactical, security, engineering and science. The contest should challenge the mind and the body. So, each team must design and construct a five-person inline shuttle pod within a specific time frame. Then, the shuttles are raced to the planet where the contestants proceed through a variety of other sports until they reach the finish line. Let's say swimming, running, and perhaps mountain climbing. It's not something we can do given the current status of the Arabella, but it might be interesting to start the progress of setting up a ship-wide game of some sort. I'll bring the idea to the captain after I complete my reviews. I want you to come up with some proposals on how you would handle tactical. I'd like to see more of your ideas. Aye, sir, Callum replied. Dismiss Lieutenant Commander, Eric said to formally conclude the meeting. Josie stood and nodded to the XO, and as soon as the door closed, he aimed straight for the afterburner. He wondered if the new security officer would turn up. First impressions were important to Callum. Accessing library computer data. Initiating the story so far. Enter when ready. So I guess uh, a lot has happened between post-71 
And that was a long time ago. So we're going to have a little trouble thinking back <laughs> that far. I know. But. This is so hard the way we're doing this because mm-hmm. we've and, – and no, you know, don't stop posting. Don't stop writing. That, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying that it's, it's a little bit difficult to do a time delay on how we read the story because the story's progressed quite mm-hmm. far. Yet we're still back in the middle of it. So just forgive us if we if we don't get it quite accurate. But uh, we'll attempt to go back to post seventy one. Of course, you just heard them all, so that we don't have to go into great detail. But we can give you a little running commentary on what we think about it. (laughs) That'll be kind of fun. So we started out this week. uh, You heard the shepherd give the post there about. Who's he writing for? He's writing with Rose and and Fizzul and uh, Lorna and he's got that whole thing going uh on there, which is kind of fun. So we're kind of in the soap opera there, which is kind of fun. So we're following that. Then of course, uh, Dinghead is a new writer on the on the RPG. Mm -hmm. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. Thank you so much for writing and jumping right in there with a joint post with Hawkeye Meds, which is cool. His character has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, that's kind of cool. That's his intent. He just yeah. wants to be a little bit of an arrogant jerk. Well, and there, <laughs> and there that's pe- good because people are different and not everybody in the Star Trek universe is, is nice. That's as very, very as we found out on Deep Space Nine. That's right. I remember that. Do you remember that when they first started? They, Deep Space Nine was just coming out as a concept, and we were all like, cool, another Star Trek series, and then a grittier, darker place in the Star Trek universe. You know, and mm-hmm. We were going to get all these attitude problems, and they kind of they delivered on that. It wasn't as like dark and gritty as Babylon 5, but it certainly was a lot different than what we were used to on the generic and always loving Enterprise. Mm-hmm. You know. Everybody's best friends, right? <laughs> and if you weren't, Picard put you in line, you know. Mm-hmm. But in 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 these Space Nine, it was a lot different. So I I think it's cool that in our RPG, it's not all it's not all just you know roses and ice cream. There's more to it, exactly. Which is more, more real life. So yeah, I like when DeColin tells him. Um, <laughs> Add a sir on the end of that, and we'll get along just fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay, so now we also are following a little bit of your character now. You are the alternate Savril. And well, I'm not really playing her very much, just a little bit, because everyone knows she's still on the ship, and I just wanted to remind them that right. she was. But she's pregnant, like she was in the Mirror Universe. And right. um, she came across because uh, she was shot as she was protecting or helping Quinn escape. Right. And so he kind of covered her as he was being beamed away. Yeah. And that's how she ended up on the Arabella. So they're just trying to, they're probably going to drop her off. You know that planet um, in uh, TNG where all of the the pre-Vulcan uh, people lived? It would be um, Mintaka. Who watched, it was, yeah, it was. Mintaka. Exactly. And who watches Mintaka the Watchers? something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, that would be cool. Yeah, so she'll probably end up there at some point. But I'm just this was just a little reminder post. And she watched as... Um, Marin left the holodeck with um, the the hollow woman. Uh, um, what's her name? Rory, That's the one right. who, who watches her now, yeah. and she's been staying away from her. Yeah, and that would be a bad thing for her at that point to go. Hello, I'm your mirror mother. <laughs> Hi, mirror mommy. Yes, <laughs> but we she, want a picnic today. She's pregnant with the same children. I have you in my tummy, dear. So anyway, yeah, that was that was a fun post. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. And I have to say that I'm really getting a kick out of 
I think a standout character. Now, and I'm not ditzing anybody else. I'm just saying everybody's writing so well, and you do have great characters. But I'm getting a kick out of Galdar. Geldar. I just really like him. <laughs> He's our first Ferengi. Well, I don't know. I just like Ferengis. They're yeah. fun. Well, we do have an NPC who's a Ferengi, but I think Feathers is writing this and one. Mike more. is doing a great he's, job. Yeah, it's such a deep character at this point. And he he's is. All, and he's brand new. I can't wait for him to join the crew. I know. And and I don't think it's um, – I, as we go through the post here, I can't remember. I'd have to look back and see which ones were read yet. But I like what happens to him after. We can't, we can't talk about it yet, but I really like it. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. It's really fun. Anyway, great job, Mike. You're doing a wonderful job of bringing this character alive, and I really like his. Uh, I just like his attitude. I like his ambition. Yeah. And I and I love having the rules of acquisition back into play mm-hmm. and people talking about them. It's very yeah. And that post was good too that he wrote that the one that you're referring to is where he's he's on the hall. He spends a lot of time in the holodeck. I'm on the holodeck because yeah. he's bored on the on the star base. Right. Right. So it's funny that he created like a reenactment of the Arabella fighting the Borg and escaping <laughs> into the asteroid belt. And he's taking orders from Savril and <laughs> It's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Feathers wasn't writing for us last season, so this is his take as a um, listener right. and now a writer on what right. happened. Yeah, it's very unique, and I like the way he's doing that. Then then we went on to, uh, of course, you heard the, the post that I read on Margon going to talk to Jadan, uh, trying to figure out why this guy's threatening him, the, the Orion uh, uh, maintenance worker, and Geldar, or not Geldar, what was his name, the lizard uh, man? I should know. I wrote him. <sighs> anyway, Margon's making his way to find Judan to talk to him because he doesn't know who to talk to on the ship when he gets pulled into a meeting with um, Commander James because uh, uh, he's doing all those personnel um, meetings with the different crew members, the main crew members. Mm-hmm. So I go talk to him for a while. and We have a really good talk, even though I'm like, I, I refer to myself as I. That's kind of crazy. Uh, even though Margon is, uh, you know, scared about what's going on he still has to continue on you know like nothing's going on Mm -hmm. in his personal life so we get a little more insight there and it looks like um you know it looks like he's going to get some help he's going to get some other counselors to help him and that'll be helpful considering the entire crew is in in uh in uh what do you call it um rehabilitation from being attacked by the Borg and, you know, all that jazz. So they got to have some help, I guess. So that's cool. And then you have a post with, um, with Brian, uh, Brian, that's mm-hmm. right. And you guys do some stuff there. With yeah. Karana. Well, it's funny because Brian is always in the out of character, um, talking smack about some kids. He wants, to, he keeps saying yes. that Kararth wants to eat them. And right, right, right. <laughs> they're it's brats. Like- and I told him jokingly that, you know what? I'm going to make it Marin's goal in life to be his best friend. <laughs> and I love so, that. but he he totally surprised me. He's like, I love that idea. Let's do that. So this is like so the first of, of a many future posts to come. That's so. fantastic. That's very cool. Well, we're seeing a side of Karath that, like, like when he was talking to Margon in the in the afterburner, and um, you know, we're seeing a side of him that is really cool. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it a lot. He's not just Mister Tough. You know, I can do everything and and I'm tough kind of guy, but he's got a heart too, which is cool. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. And let's see, um, Carafe had a, had his meeting with um, with Commander James, and they're going working on their stuff. And there's a lot of meetings with uh, Commander James, aren't, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But that's cool. We're getting kind of a feel for the for the crew that way. And then um, all the way up until we don't have as many posts this time. All the way up until it looks like Lester, which is D'Angelo's new character. He is just kind of fitting into engineering. Isn't he an engineer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's just fitting into engineering, and they're trying to figure out how that's all going to work. And uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, him just now working with a team for the first time, and now there's some things coming up that he's a little bit uncomfortable with. So you'll see that as as we go, too. It'll be kind of fun. And I think that's all the posts so far. Yeah. Well, it- That we can talk about. Yeah. All right. So, story's progressing. There's so many other good things going on after that, that but we can't talk about them yet because it's not time. Patience. Patience. Snatch the pebble from my hand. <laughs> Walk across the rice paper. Sorry. My old days of Kung Fu. I, I just watched that show way too much. Did you get into Kung Fu? Um, I was probably about eight. Don't say it. Don't say it. Gosh. <laughs> I'm not that much older. Okay. No, you're not. You're not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all these pop culture references. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Anyway, so that's the story so far. Any other comments on that? Perfecto. Bravo. Gamma Bravo. Water Golf Clap. We should do a contest sometime, you know that. For what? What kind of contest? Just for, just for fun. I don't know. Something to get people to participate more. I don't know. Maybe for the best audio comment. Or- we tried something like that. We tried name the um, the lounge, and that's right. Yes, only and we- a handful of people yeah. submitted questions. I mean, they they were all forum um, participants. Nobody that listens to the show that. And I did send. I remember sending Mike from England my entire parody collection, even though he could download it all himself. I sent it to him anyway on a CD, so he was happy about that. He won. Oh, the name the. Name the season thing, but we never used his his name for the uh-uh. season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you win. Thanks for sending us something. Yeah, you're the you're only, the only one. one. <laughs> Maybe we should send something to to listeners who email us. Just something. Something. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> And now time for Ready Room Feedback. (laughs) You hear this guitar feeding back? Yeah, (laughs) that's it. Command codes verified. Activating final thoughts. Do you have any final thoughts, Rick? I have so many final thoughts that we could take a couple of hours. So just get your MP3 players ready to go and just you know sit back, whatever you're doing. We'll have a couple hours from now. You'll be done and probably relieved. Okay, let me start. Just joking. <laughs> just joking. No, uh, final thoughts that I have are a great job, everybody. This uh, time that we have to go down and have some time off and some R&R is really some of the best and most creative times that we ever get on the RPG because we get to find out aspects of our characters that, that really we get to explore things that we don't usually get to when we're just working on a specific mission. So right. I would just just encourage everybody to remember you're in the Star Trek universe. And, you know, for me, I love reading. Now, I don't like the techno babble, but I really enjoy using the technology that's available during this period of time. Um, I like hearing about things dematerializing. I like hearing about the different computer things that they run their hands across or the cool technology that we, you know, that we don't have, but they take for granted. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I love I love that being written into the story. So I I just like to hear and and get a, a bigger perspective of the Star Trek universe from the different characters' points of view. So I guess my final thought would be to encourage people to use those type of things in their posts because that's what makes Star Trek Star Trek. It's just cool. There's yeah. it's a hope, there's a hope and a a cool thing to look forward to. Yeah. So that's my final thought. How about you? Me, I want to hear more about the surroundings. I in reading a bunch of books on writing, they always say that your surroundings are yet another character. They really so are. So you should describe that too. I, I had a lot of fun describing the Starbase. And yeah. you haven't heard that post read yet, but it was fun to kind of visualize what that looked like because it hadn't really been done yet. And I wanted to know what it was like, what it smelled like, what it sounded like, what the people were like, how many were there, what kinds of people were there. I mean, think about the, about those types of details whenever you write your post. Don't eat, don't just describe what your character's thinking or doing. Talk about what they smell, what they hear, what whatever it is that they're holding feels like. Mm-hmm. What What's the temperature like? Think about all those things because that type of information will bring the reader into the story. They'll feel like they're there, like they're experiencing it. I and really like that. That's, that's the good. goal, you know, is to make them feel like they're there. And yeah, it might make the post a little longer, but it doesn't, they don't feel longer when you are reading them. They're not techno babble or right. a lot of dialogue. A- it's just like, you're you're learning you create, more about the, your, the situation and the surroundings and stuff. Well, you create an atmosphere is what you do. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one TNG episode? I, I'll always bring these in because I just I love TNG so much. Do you remember that one? It was I think it was first season or second, but it was one one zero one one or whatever, and it was with the the little um, the little aliens that talked back and yeah, forth and like yeah. little yeah. Well, I'll never forget. The way that I viewed Starbases completely changed after that episode because they went, they all evacuated off the ship mm-hmm. onto the Starbase, and you got to see the docking port, and then yep. walking across that, and then you got to see inside the Starbase, and you got to see all these. And same with like the Measure of the Man um, on that episode of TNG, you got to see a little bit more of the what what it was like on the Starbase and the offices and the and where they ate and the mm-hmm. the viewports and all that. And to me, that really enhanced the story because it wasn't just like like we saw before, like on the old series. You know, they pull up and you saw this cool thing floating in space, but you really didn't get to see a whole lot of stuff inside of that. It just enhances the story so much better when you know the surroundings. So mm-hmm. anyway, I don't know. It doesn't have to do with our writing as much as it. No, it's, yeah. it makes perfect anyway. sense. I mean, giving someone a reference, right. you know, especially if they are Trekkies, right. giving them a reference will help them paint the picture later. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, as we do miss our friend Kenny, uh, one of our co-hosts here on the Ready Room, uh, one of the reasons that we love doing this is because we get some feedback once in a while. And, you know, we haven't had a whole lot of feedback lately. So here we go. You ready? Even though last week we did get a couple of comments about uh, the 50th po- or the 50th episode, mm-hmm. email us, please, with some comments, some ideas, what you like, what you don't like. Um, you know, particular posts that stand out to you. Uh, we like email and we also like, um, audio comments and you can send those to the ready room podcast at gmail.com. Isn't that how that's the email, isn't it? That's it. The ready room podcast, all one word at gmail.com. And we would love to have your feedback because it's, it really, not only does it help us to continue to, to, to do the ready room every week, but it's great to hear. It's just great to hear what everybody thinks about it, and I think it generates interest too. Mm-hmm. I agree, and it helps the writers. It encourages yes. them. 
It so, really does. Tell us who your favorite character is, what your favorite yeah. scene was that was written, or who you know you like as a narrator or a reader of the posts. That's, right. That's right. And you know the other thing that I wanted to say before we close the program today was how awesome the new um, drawing that you did for Eric James was. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. Who? Oh, and now I know people want to know, and you haven't posted this on the forum mm-hmm. yet. Maybe by now you have. I don't know. But uh, who was that? Who was the guy that you modeled that after? Oh, the reference picture. I don't uh-huh. know. Uh, I ask whenever I make the or create the digital paintings. I always ask the the writers who want them to send who me a picture. Man? Send me a picture of whoever you think that they look like, and I'll base the drawing on them. Right. And. Chris, who goes by Just X on the forum, he sent me a picture of this guy. I don't know who he is, but he's really handsome. <laughs> but I think he's a MTV host or oh. a VH1 host or something. Right, he's okay. got black hair and green green eyes in the picture. But I made um, Eric James look like him, but tried to make him look older because this guy is very young. Yeah, and yeah. Eric James probably appears to be in his mid forties, though he's he's like. 80 years old yeah, so he, because he's Ilarian, he's half Ilarian, so right. he's going to be an older guy but not necessarily look older well it came out great i mean it was really nice looking and thank you, you. Do, that now is it different uh, just a little interview here on the ready room <laughs> is it different doing non like alien species even though he is alien it's it's mm-hmm. uh he was more human looking mm-hmm. is that harder to do than like a like me when no. you did blue or is it easier it's easier because i because i know what i see people all the time and i know what the light looks like when it you know is highlighting their nose or you know what colors to use as an a base to their complexion like you you would use purple for a fair-skinned person or you would use um red or green for someone who has a tan complexion and then you build upon that and when you're painting somebody who's blue yeah, you have How to kind of throw that? everything out the window and just um, experience. Throw caution to the wind. <laughs> yeah, but I'm learning a lot. I have a bachelor of fine arts degree, but my specialization was painting. But then I I became a graphic designer, so all of my uh, knowledge as a graphic designer is now being applied to my degree. That's so cool. I'm doing that as for fun. It's kind of my my creative release, like the right. So. That's cool. How many how many portraits have you done now? Can you remember all the all that you've done for the RPG? Uh-huh. Uh, I've done Savril was my first one, and you can kind right. of tell the difference. And as I do this, I get better. You get better at it, yeah. Yeah, Savril was the first one I've ever done, and I stylized it. So she and I was looking a lot at the Star Wars um, uh, character guide, and right. that's you can kind of see it was more of a comic strip style. Right. And then I moved on to I think the next person was DeColin. Yep. Maybe. Or and, or was it Captain Quinn? No, Captain Quinn came third. Much further? Yeah. Okay, all right, okay. But I may have come second. Yeah, it was hard to do DeColin because um, Meds gave me a black and white picture, and there's no ah. flesh tones. And right. at the time, I was experimenting still, and the, there was a very harsh light. I'm probably going to have to redo Mr. DeColin because that's probably <laughs> my least favorite that. painting that I did. I'm not very happy with that. But, yeah, then I did Quinn. I did Catan. Mm-hmm. I've done uh, did the Andorian. Andorian, which is um, Zram, right. uh, Rico's character. And then I did um, Counselor Margon. Mm-hmm. And now I've done um, Eric James. So that's about five characters. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, so go to the out of character section and look at character portraits. And there's a whole thread there with all of them there. And I've well, also they- started a blog. And I'm starting to put my pictures. That's right. Describe. Do you, you, you want to tell everybody the address of that blog? 
it's anomalous, and this is really hard, <laughs> to <laughs> anomalousart.blogspot.com. Spell that for us, would you? I will. <laughs> Do you want to – shall we push uh, pause? Uh, uh, <laughs> spell it out real quick. Make sure okay. it's spelled right. Yes. I'm talking too much about this. I can. I don't want to. <laughs> no, I think it's great because it's part of the game. It's but, cool. Um, <laughs> I spelled it right. Good. Okay. Right. My my muscle fi- my fingers know how to spell faster than my brain does. I understand. So it's anomalous art. A n o m a l o u s a r t dot blogspot dot com. And I just started it, so there's only one post there, and it kind of describes my background and um, how my what my method is like, how I do it, um, what I'm learning, because I'm kind of learning as I go. Right. And um, I've also uh, just as I approach my writing on um, writing and how to write and grammar and punctuation, and all that stuff. I also subscribe to and buy magazines on um, concept art for Very movies cool. and video games, and and how concept artists create those those images on a computer so that's very cool yeah that's so anyway i've learned a lot and that's what i have been doing so great well i hope everybody goes over there and sees that do you have a gallery there of your work no i just post them in the post so i don't have a real i I started it because people have been asking me if i have a gallery which i thought you know what that's kind of stupid of me not to so yeah time for a gallery yeah that's what the blog is for though that's great that's great fantastic Excellent. Well, then people should go visit that. That's very cool. And as always, we want to give a shout out to Rico and say thank you again for letting us uh, post the uh, Ready Room podcast on your feed. We really appreciate that, Rico. Mm-hmm. And of course, you all know since you're listening to this, but uh, it's kind of like our mother site. Our our uh, mothership is www.treksandsci-fi.com. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Rico. So thank That's you. That's right. Yes. Thank you very much. It. Great. Well, we're looking for again. We miss you, Kenny. I hope I hope you're uh, back soon after all of your exciting uh, projects. If if you kind of want to stay updated with what Kenny's doing, you can always visit his uh, website that he's doing for his podcast. And I believe that's Knights of the Guild Guild dot Podbean dot com. And they can all check up on what he's doing. And he's just very busy with that. Leave him a comment. He always likes to get comments, don't you, Kenny? <laughs> if he was here, he'd say yes, yes. I love comments. Yeah. So anyway, that'd be very cool. Great. <laughs> How do we end this? Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to uh, the Anomaly Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to take him with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you answer the phone at home, like um, you know yeah. your company. Water and, parts. Can I help you? Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> That, I always want to like default to anomaly because that's like riding a bike. I know exactly I know, what to say, I know, but I don't I know, know why it's so hard for the ready room. Yeah. I guess because we don't have any one person that usually says anything on the ready room. Right. You know, we share. We share. So it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. You, would you like? I'll I'll I'll, I'll say this. Okay. Well, that okay. Well, that wraps it up uh, for this week's ready room podcast, the Trex and Sci-Fi Microcast. I'm Rick. And I'm Jen. <laughs> Failing frequencies closed. Let's try that again. Okay. <clears throat> well, that about wraps. Well, it does wrap. <laughs> yeah, wraps it up. Sorry. Well, that wraps it up for this week's Ready Room, the Trex and Sci-Fi Microcast. I'm Rick. And I'm Jen. Hailing frequencies closed. 
The Ready Room Podcast is a Treks in Sci-Fi microcast. All music written and performed by Rick and Nathan Moyer. Read more about the adventures of the USS Arabella at www.treksinsci-fi.com slash forum. If you'd like to send us feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please email the Ready Room Podcast at gmail.com. That's the Ready Room Podcast at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. <laughs>